All right, welcome back to another unnamed NBA draft podcast with Trevor Andershock and Drew Davis. Uh, welcome back, Drew. That's good to be here, man. Uh, we got another uh, a full episode here. We're going to break down four more uh, NBA draft prospects, starting with Keon Johnson of Tennessee, Terrence Shannon of Texas Tech, McKinley Wright of Colorado. We'll save the uh, wild card for later there, Drew. Oh, most definitely. I think the uh, <laughs> listeners are really going to enjoy the wild card. Start off with our, our lottery guy this week, and that's Keon Johnson, the freshman from Tennessee. Um, what are your kind of first thoughts on him going back to his AAU and high school days, Drew? Yeah, I actually uh, have had a chance to watch Keon Johnson. He was like a sophomore on the uh, circuit. So this was before he was even on a core circuit. When, when EAB was uh, independent, we went out to Peach State to watch watch him. And the first thing that absolutely jumped out to me is when you see this man play, you just you automatically look at his physical profile and it's it's one of those that kind of just, you know, immediately catches your eye. Phenomenal athlete, gets off the floor extremely well, has good quickness. Just he was he was blessed with everything you could possibly want to be blessed with. Yeah. I don't think I saw him quite as early as you did, Drew, but when I did see him in AAU with uh EAB like you just see an NBA athlete right away from him. Like you said, that explosion off the ground, good size, you know, good frame. So it's pretty easy to see those physical tools, even from a younger age. And obviously a lot of college basketball fans are seeing those highlights now where he's dunking over guys and just insane, insane vertical athlete there. I know, I know. And the thing that I also thought, uh, just kind of watching him progress over the years, when he was a sophomore in high school, you know, he was an all right ball handler. But I thought between whenever I saw him as a sophomore when EAB was independent to them coming on the Adidas circuit the next year, I thought there was a noticeable difference in uh, how much better he had gotten handling the basketball. And I think that's an area of his game that he continues to grow in. Yeah, no doubt. This is could probably be a surprise if you're following Tennessee or, or you know, just college basketball in general for a guy that's not a, a dominant offensive player to be a potential lottery pick. Um, outside of his physical tools, what do you like for him at the next level um i mean outside of physical tools i like uh seeing that you know he has a really quick first step and he tends to be able to get by people very easily when he puts his head down and uh you know i'm looking at his shooting numbers and while they're they're not very good i think there is reason to you know see that being able to progress down the road like you look right now uh his three-point percentage i want to say is 23 or 27% from three, but you look and he's shooting, you know, 33.3% on catch and shoots in the half court. So, I mean, I think that is an area that he's going to improve in at, at the next level. And the other area I really like uh, from him is just how much uh, potential he has defensively. I, I feel like he's a guy that could be completely locked down on that end. Yeah, I think his NBA kind of potential starts with the defense end. And that's pretty rare for, you know, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guard to be primarily a defender, but really like what he does you know I think Tennessee kind of I don't know if misuses them is the right word because they need to match up you know defensively and stuff but I prefer them more on either a point guard shooting guard mm-hmm. or a kind of wing at the last resort but uh, Tennessee plays a little bit smaller so he's guarding a lot of post players and he's just not really strong enough to lock down you know on the post against SEC uh, power forward. So I do like him going forward defensively in the NBA, that versatile perimeter defender where he can guard one through three. And, you know, he's quick enough where guys aren't getting by him, even as a uh, 
uh, point guard. So I, I would definitely agree with you there. Um, kind of going back to his athleticism and ball handling, I would say he uh, obviously a great athlete, but he doesn't really have that breakdown handle yet where it's, it's mostly straight line or the first step gets him by. If he can't beat that defender off one move, then, you know, he's kind of stuck and takes a contested right. shot. So that's one thing I would like to see him improve. Oh, most definitely. And that's kind of like that next level for him to kind of reach where he can consistently, you know, be able to break people down and get into the lane and not just get, you know, cut off on one side, like you said, and just get completely, you know, lost, I guess would be the way to describe it. But yeah. another another area that I really liked what I saw from him was it kind of it was kind of interesting to see just how much he scores off those post-ups in that 12 to 16 foot area. He's, you know, he seems to really be able to have his way down there and he's converting a very high clip of those. I didn't have the exact number, but remember when I was looking at Synergy, that was an area that he graded out very well in. Yeah, I would agree. I think he's probably better posting up with his back to the basket than he is, you know, in the mid range shooting mm-hmm. over guys or even just beating guys off the bounce and finishing at the rim. Because even though he's a great athlete, I don't see him, you know, finishing over guys off the bounce too regularly. Like he doesn't have those different shots that a lot of other NBA guard uh, prospects have where, you know, he's getting it over shot blockers, finishing through contact and stuff like that. If he's not dunking it, it seems like his percentage is pretty low around the rim for at least for the type of athlete. And I mean, if you see like most of his highlight dunks, you'll see like a putback misses, stuff like that. It's not like, you know, putting the ball on the floor and going and just throwing, throwing down on somebody. Yeah. And uh, another thing I'd like to point out is like, I don't think Tennessee is a great fit for him. Like no. they play, they play a slow tempo and, you know, most offensive possessions are getting pretty deep in the shot clock. So I think those things kind of weigh against his overall efficiency. And then they also have him coming off, you know, pin downs or down screens and trying to get him shots from three off there. And he just doesn't have the footwork or, you know, the shooting fundamentals to shoot when he's spraying off his screen, getting set, catching and shooting. That's where he's really, really struggled as a shooter. And I think that's an area where you look at his shot that needs a lot of work is I feel like watching his release, it's really slow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind his release too much. For me, I think it's mostly footwork where most of his problems come from, but um, I could definitely see where he definitely needs to catch, you know, kind of set himself, figure out where he is on the floor and then shoot it. So he definitely uses more time than you'd like to see. But for me, at least his, his shooting woes have been from his footwork more than anything. Right. Right. And I think you look at him and you look in the league and you're starting to look at how he would be used in the league. And I see him as a, you know, intriguing two way player, you know, a guy that's going to, like we said, hang his hat on his defense. That's going to be where his bread is butter. And then the offensive game is going to be a little slow, slower developing. That That's going to come in time. That's going to take a little bit with, you know, just the way he's been used in college and, and not really been able to kind of developing you know turn that corner on that part of his game yeah i think who he's paired with in the backcourt of nba teams really important i Mm -hmm. think he he really needs to be with a playmaking guard that can you know get him those easy shots where he can spot up more than anything or you know will be drawing help where he can get a back cut here and there for a dunk things like that and then you know that would give you flexibility if you have a really good point guard or at least a really good playmaking point guard with him you know, you could give that point guard a little bit of a rest and have Keon kind of defend the better of the two uh, opposing shooting guards or point guard and kind of play off each other in that 
that realm too. So I definitely agree with you. His defense is where he should be able to get on the floor early in his NBA career, but offensively, he definitely has a long ways to go. And I just don't exactly see a you know clear cut role for him offensively yet. No, no, like that's just going to be a major work in progress. And I also think another area that he could really benefit from is if he were to add a little bit more muscle and bulk up. I think that would help him when he goes to finish at the rim. Yeah. Would he be able to just, I don't know if he's big enough to ever be a true wing NBA. What are your thoughts there? That does worry me a little bit. What, he's only like six, six, five, six, four, right around there. Yeah, probably right in that range. That's that's a big concern for me. I, I think he's going to be a little bit undersized. I, I think his best shot is to probably be a, a two guard, but then at the same problem, the same problem that he runs into with being a two guard is the offensive game is lacking. Yeah. Like, I guess there's some potential for him to be a shot creator. Um, like you said, you know, he, he likes to face up. There's a lot of ISOs for him at Tennessee. Maybe if he becomes just a little bit better of a shooter or improves his breakdown skills just a little bit more, then he could be, you know, that shot creator for himself and kind of get to that level of a NBA player. But I don't think he'll ever be a playmaker for others. And then as a a shooter, he's got a long ways to go. So I'm guessing like the hope is basically just for him to be good enough off the dribble where he's creating shots for for himself on a regular basis. I kind of think think of a guy that, you know, a lot of people may see the way he plays now compared to the way he played when he came in the league. And I'm kind of thinking of an an OG Ananobi type role would be the best way to kind of start him in right away yeah. but at the same time i i don't see his shot being able to progress the way og has progressed yeah i will agree with you coming out of iu og was definitely if he didn't have his feet set and have plenty of time his shot was really bad mm-hmm. it's kind of like keon is now like when he gets his feet set gets a clean look then he has a pretty good shooter so definitely see the uh comp there to og but then you're talking about you know keon's probably three or four inches shorter mm-hmm. than og so that's a tough comparison there but um i definitely see where you're coming from and i'm guessing i mean that would be his best path to a a long nba career being that three and d type that uh kind of player role type right um how confident are you as an nba team taking him in the lottery the one thing i do know with keon is you're going to get someone that plays very hard and has a very good motor and he also obviously has an outstanding ath- athletic profile. But for me, I would be a little scared to take him. And if you're a team that's going to take him, you better have a good development staff because that's going to be key in helping him pan out. Yeah. And then obviously uh, most lottery teams are teams that need a lot of help anyway. Right. He almost seems like he'd be a better fit if maybe a good team has traded into the lottery or something like that where they're just filling a, a specific hole in their roster right now where they need that defender athletic guard type most definitely kind of going back to what you were saying one of my first notes on him outside of the nba level tools was he's a fierce competitor and i think that's really shown at tennessee this year and will be a one of the uh, kind of attributes he leans on going forward to make uh, himself an NBA career. Yeah, most definitely. And I, I'm thinking back to all my viewings of him. I don't think there's a time that I ever saw him where I left saying, hey, he didn't he didn't try to bring his A game today. He, he didn't, you know, just roll up his sleeves and play hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, overall, I would say, you know, I'm not overly confident in Keon as a lottery pick or wouldn't have the uh, greatest confidence level if I'm an NBA team taking him in the lottery, but um, definitely see the upside to him. Most definitely. All right. Uh, 
Any parting words there? You want to move on to uh, Terrence Shannon? I think we can move on to Terrence Shannon. Okay. This is the uh, Texas Tech sophomore Terrence Shannon Jr. He had an interesting prep career where he came out of Lincoln Lincoln Park in Chicago, basically unrecruited as a senior. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I think he only had like one or two, maybe low to mid-major offers. Then he plays in the, with Mac Urban Fire as an unsigned senior and just blows up right away, gets high major offers left and right um, <laughs> through his uh, athleticism, you know, that big wing athlete type of guy, or type of prospect. And you, know, you don't see a guy like that, especially from Chicago, just blow up that late in his prep career like Shannon did. No, you don't, you don't see guys like that slip through the cracks very often. And uh, with the way he played in the unsigned uh, spring period, I, I thought that was a big, big deal to see him just kind of pick up all those offers like that. And then the other thing that kind of interested me with him was his athletic profile. Uh, I believe he, many people didn't think basketball was going to be his main sport. Uh, you know, like you said, going into senior year, a lot of people thought he was going to play football, which, I mean, you can see why with the athletic tools. Yeah, no doubt. Whenever you're that big and athletic, you know. Football is an obvious choice for you. Then he ended up going to uh, IMG Academy and before he went to uh, Texas Tech. That was uh, obviously always good to play for IMG and get that competition level. Um, not was only that on, a post, post-grad year? Yeah, that was a post-grad year after uh, Lincoln Park in Chicago. So um, he's a little bit older. I think he's going to be, I think he's 20 right now, probably be 21 around draft time, whenever that is this year. So he's a little bit on the older side for an NBA draft prospect, but uh, not too bad right now, Drew. No. No. And uh, I mean, watching him play this year has been kind of interesting and how he's, you know, been used a little bit. Uh, You see, you see, like, obviously, with the athleticism, athletic tools that he has, there's no reason he shouldn't be a good defender. He's got everything that he needs to, you know, be successful on that end. And I think that's an area that, you know, is kind of going to be his calling card. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's like six, five, six, six with a seven foot wingspan. He's got some pretty good strength. So he Gives you a lot of versatility just with his size and athleticism alone. You factor in his competitiveness and lateral quickness, and then you have the uh, the tools for a really good NBA defender there, Drew. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. And the other thing you look at with his athleticism is he, he does a good job of attacking the basket, and he tries. He likes to overpower guys at the rim. Uh, I, when, from looking at the way he graded out on Synergy, I, I saw he graded out pretty well as a finisher. Yeah. One of my notes was you know, he loves going to his left hand, which is his dominant hand. And then using his body to create space around the rim, just like you were saying. It's almost like uh, he's like a physical patient driver more than an explosive, you know, blow by guys. Even though I do think he has a good first step, but it just doesn't it just doesn't result into him blowing by defenders too often. I think that's probably because of his handles. Those handles can be a little shaky at times, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, obviously that's always always a big part. And like you said, overall, he's really good at the rim, finishing, drawing fouls. Um, when he does get to the free throw line, you know, he shoots well. He's, uh, what, 81% basically this year. Mm-hmm. Shot shot 83% from the free throw line last year. So usually you know, that usually means that you're going to improve as a three-point shooter, but those results just haven't been there this year. Shooting he did, about, he did go, go up by like 5%, didn't he, this year? Yeah, but I mean, that's because he was starting so low last year. Yeah, yeah. 
only 25.7% last year on about a three per game, which, you know, you should be shooting a good percentage when you're only taking one per game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's definitely a bad sign for him. But, you know, like you said, he has made a slight improvement there. And, yeah, he shoots shoots well from the free throw line. So you would think there would be progress there. But I think it's his mechanics are kind of holding him back there. Oh, his mechanics on a shot are very ugly. And sometimes I wonder, like, if he knows what he's doing when he sets his feet. Because his feet are kind of, you know, out of place at times. Yeah. Another another thing I found in him that was very, I thought this is kind of odd, you know, with his three-point percentage, obviously, I mean, it went up a little bit, which isn't isn't saying much. But I also noticed that he graded out very poorly on catch and shoots. As he's only shooting like twenty-three point seven percent on catch and shoots in the half half courts, and he's surprisingly worse on uncontested catch and shoots. Yeah, my biggest thing with his shot is it seems like it's almost a shot put where it's mm-hmm. coming from, just like right under his chin, and then more out than up. Um, I think that's definitely a concern going forward, especially when you have to move back to the. Th- NBA three-point line, I'm not sure he's going to have the range to really make that adjustment unless he just retools his whole whole shooting mechanics going forward. No, I think that that would definitely be a route for him to go in, start looking into, you know, kind of changing up his shot and get down and break down the mechanics. I mean, yeah. maybe maybe his teammate uh, Mac McClung could help him with that, with the way he <laughs> kind of changed things in the offseason with a broken wrist. Yeah, that's always such a tough, tough task. So you're changing your whole life of knowing how to shoot one way and being able to scrap that, go back to or try something new is pretty tough to do. Oh, it's all it's like just breaking a habit that's been ingrained in your head <laughs> for years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little tough there. Then I, w- I want to talk about, you know, the t- Texas Tech offense should be built for a guy like. Terrence Shannon to thrive like they're playing a bunch of five out basically the lanes wide open for driving lanes um he should have one-on-one opportunities all the time I'm just surprised you know he's obviously a really efficient um scorer getting the line a ton and scoring well from there but you would think he would just be finishing higher and getting more open shots in that Tennessee or Tex Tech uh, offense. Yeah, that was uh, something I also made a note on was how many times when I was watching him did I just see him go into the lane out of control and just throw his body at a guy and end up not making a shot or taking a poor shot. That was something I particularly noticed is he takes a lot of really bad shots. Yeah, that's probably uh, probably a lot a reason why he's shooting uh, not great from the field. 50% effective field goal percentage so it's not bad but for an NBA draft prospect you'd like to see that higher and then he's shooting 56.7 true percentage which is pretty good thanks to his you know free throw shooting so not bad there the one thing that stands out to me is he's just 32 percent on two point shots away from the basket so in those floater mid-range pull-ups he's really struggling this year now going back and watching all of his offensive possessions that was something that stood out to me it was just how many of those he was missing yeah obviously most people aren't going to be great in that area but 32 percent is really low for a guy of his physical tools and you know just overall skill set he should be way way higher than that and the thing about a lot of those shots a lot of them were very clean open looks and he just He's just coming up short on him for whatever reason. Yeah, you can't do that at the NBA level. When you get open, look, no. you got to knock him down. Um, kind of going back to his defensive stuff, he's another guy I really like his versatility. Yeah, one game, Texas Tech had him matched up against uh, West Virginia's Miles McBride, you know, guarding a point guard. 
and a good one at that. Then next game, you know, he's guarding Kansas's David Montgomery on the block, just kind of showing you his versatility going forward where he can battle big, bigger, stronger guys and, you know, still contain quicker point guards. So that versatility is a huge asset going forward for him. Almost definitely. And that's going to be something that he has to hang his hat on in the NBA. Like I said, ever his NBA career starts with by becoming elite on that end. Yeah. Yeah. That versatility where you can switch everything is a big thing, especially right now in the NBA where you can, mm-hmm. you have to switch to take away those, those threes that, you know, Curry and Dame Lillard are taking from 35 feet and stuff. You have to have mm-hmm. the versatility to get out, defend way, away, away from the basket. Yeah. I, I agree with that. To d- today's league, you don't do that. Your defense is going to get exposed and you're going to be giving up a ton of, I mean, I know they're not considered easy shots, but when guys are as good as, you know, Steph and all those guys are, it's like a layup. Yeah. Yeah. Just, um, this is overall role for the next level. Um, I think we're agreement on his, you know, versatility switching defender type of wing defender, I would say is where his, uh, his, his potential is at the NBA level. What are you seeing for his offensive role? How is he going to be able to score at the next level? I mean, I don't see him being able to score off catch and shoots or, I mean, you know, the numbers show that that's just not a strength of his game. I think his best chance to score is to be able to put the ball on the floor and get to the rim and use his athletic gifts and body control to finish around the rim. Yeah, I could definitely see him in that. Yeah, wing slasher type of role. You might be able to post him up once in a while if, uh, you know, they put a shooting guard on him where he's got some size and strength on him. But I agree. I think it's mostly slashing from the wing and, and scoring from there. Hopefully his shot comes around and he'll be a threat from three. But right now, I just don't see I don't see that potential right now. Okay. Um, where's your uh, confidence line with uh, Terrence Shannon as a first round draft pick? Uh, do I think I think he'll probably be a first round draft pick. But are you saying my confidence level in him panning out? Yeah, basically. Or or from a NBA team perspective, how much confidence would you have taking him as, you know, a, a twenty or twenty fifth pick? On a scale of one to ten, I'd probably put it at four just because of the physical gifts, but I don't feel all that confident that, that he's gonna pan out. The the shooting absolutely scares me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm probably right in that range. I might give it a slightly higher just because you know what you're getting defensively and he does have a, a clear cut role there. So if anything else kind of comes around, I think he'll be a pretty solid NBA player. But like you said, there's a pretty good chance, you know, he's he doesn't find that at least starter role like ever in an NBA career. No, no. I I think if he ever reaches a star, a starter role for an NBA team, then they're just playing with house money at that point. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, let's go ahead and move on to uh, McKinley, McKinley Wright of uh, Colorado there. Four-year point guard for him. Drew, um, what are your first thoughts on right here? Uh, he's definitely a little undersized for a lead guard, right at around six foot. Uh, you know, he's shown a decent ability to score off the dribble. I think that's kind of like his his uh, favorite part of the offensive game because for him, you know, catch and shoots aren't something that's strength of his game whatsoever. I, I believe that he graded out very lowly. Uh, on that on that side of things, and he's never been a great three point shooter, only shooting about thirty three percent for his entire career at Colorado. And this is a guy that's played you know a ton each each year. And I think the other thing that uh, stood out to me 
was I feel like he's pretty good in pick and roll situations on being able to exploit mismatches. Yeah, definitely agree with you there. And I'm not sure if that six foot's even. Uh, yeah, he looked a little bit it, smaller than six foot. That might be to giving me. too much. Like in high school, I thought he was like a true five ten, you know, barefoot five ten. So he looks he looks tiny at the college level. I can't even imagine how small he'll look on an NBA court. <laughs> Hey, he would look like he's giving away, you know, four or five inches to pretty much every every guard he goes up against. But like you said, he's really great with the ball in his hands. He's improved greatly um, kind of with that assist to turnover ratio as a senior. He's not turning it over hardly at all this year um, while maintaining, you know, a high assist rate. So really great passer, decision maker. It seems like he's always under control. There's oh, no, he time, no time where he's getting um, rushed or doesn't know where he wants to go with the ball. So that's a great thing for him going forward. Like you said, the shooting worries me. Only 32.7% from three for his career. Um, to make it as an NBA point guard at you know 5'10", 5'11", even if you want to give him six foot, I mean, you still need to be a really good three-point shooter in, NBA, in the NBA today. So that definitely worries me. Um, like you said, as a kind of pick and roll, ball screen type of ball handler he does a good job at turning that corner and then getting in the lane and either finishing or drawing fouls um and another guy that's great at the free throw line 80 percent for his mm-hmm. career 84 percent this season so again you would think that three-point shooting would come around but it just isn't there yet you know what's very weird about him he hits all these tough shots off the dribble and you're like damn and then you look at him on you know unguarded unguarded opportunities and i think he was only shooting like 14.3 percent uh, yeah he's one of the rare people that's actually pretty good in the mid-range um, mm-hmm. bart barttorvik.com has him at 53 percent um on twos away from the basket so most of those are usually either in the that floater range or all the way to the uh, three-point line. So 53% is pretty strong from there. And, you know, most of them are off the dribbling. On his makes inside the uh, three-point line, you're only looking at like 8% assisted. So most of those he's creating for himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the thing that st- stood out to me watching a couple Colorado games this year is just how much at the center of everything that happens for that team that he is. Like, I mean, I'm not, not going to say, you know, that he's playing with complete scrubs, but I mean, compared to what's around him and some of the other t- top teams in the Pac-12, he's he's at a disadvantage. And yeah. I think that that was one of the things that really stood out to me is just, ha- just how much he takes control of that team, creates for others and is able to score off the bounce yeah he's definitely you know one of the complete players in uh really colorado history i mean i believe he's right up there in points and assists um, career-wise for them um, so obviously an unbelievable career um defensively it seems like he's a pretty strong defender but at his size i mean he's going to be giving away so much height that it's going to put him really in a bind defensively for the next level um i don't think he'll ever be a great defender even though he's really quick you know knows the game anticipates well but when you're just giving up that much size you're you're such a disadvantage in the NBA. Oh, most definitely. Like, got mo- most guards in the NBA are going to be able to just rise up and shoot over the top of McKinley, and that's that's going to be a big problem for him. You know, you look at you look at that, and you just look look at some of the guys in the NBA that are sub six six foot, and you, you don't see a lot of those guys more than being more than rotation players. Yeah, and uh, if you are sub six foot, 
you usually have to be able to really score mm-hmm. um, just all over the floor and be that really scoring punch off the bench. If you can make it as a starter, then just be a real consistent scorer, basically to make up for the the points you're giving up on the other end. Right. And I just I just don't know if he'll ever get to that point without being a good three point shooter. No, no, that's that's my biggest concern with him. If he could shoot, if he could shoot the three and shoot shoot off the catch a lot better, I think he'd have a really good chance at a promising NBA career. But that's the one. Thing that kind of holds me back with him. Yeah. And obviously with his free throw shooting, you would think he would have a chance, but he's already a four-year college player. You just don't know how much more time he's going to have to improve as a shooter at this point. No, no. At this point, it's kind of like, you are what you are. Yeah. He kind of reminds me um, of Xavier Simpson from Michigan last year, mm-hmm. where they just control the game. Great passers can score um, really good in the, around the basket for a, a smaller player. Um, McKinley is probably better a little bit as a sc- pure scorer. Um, and then Xavier was more of a playmaker for others, look for others a little bit more. But they both kind of have those same uh, weaknesses as a shooter and the size. And that combo is pretty tough to overcome. And uh, right now, Xavier's in the G League battling for an NBA spot. But he's another guy that you probably need to be a better shooter to make it. And I think McKinley Wright's going to be in that same position. I I do too. I think he's probably looking at a nice career playing in the G League. And he's, at the very worst, could have an opportunity to make a lot of money overseas. Yeah. Um, for me, I mean, looking at McKinley right now, NBA, you're looking at a playmaker, um, more of a distributor, maybe backup point guard type of role, and then you know just uh, an average NBA point guard defender at best. Um, probably not going to be able to be more than average at his size. No, no, I I would agree with that 100. I. I think that's about the best case scenario for him. Yeah. So would you take him in the second round or would you try to just look to get him undrafted if you're a NBA GM? I'd probably lean towards trying to get him undrafted. Yeah. That's probably the safer pick, especially when you factor in his age right now. But I could definitely see a, a second round pick on him. We've seen, a, especially last year, a lot of uh, NBA teams went with those four-year players in the mm-hmm. second round. So he would fit that mold. It'd be interesting to see what uh, ends up up happening with him no it will be and i think uh with all that being said he's had an outstanding college career he's he's elevated that program to a lot higher heights than it would have went without him yeah no doubt and coming out kind of looping all the way back coming out of high school i just wasn't sure if he was going to be big enough to play at that pac 12 type of level so he definitely proved me wrong once so we'll see if he can do it again in the nba I mean, I know his checkbook is hoping that he can. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, let's move on to our wild card of the, the uh, episode here. Um, we're going to go with Derek Alston Jr. of uh, Boise State, the old Bronco. This is a guy that really jumps off the uh, screen at you when you're watching him on TV. Just a, a lanky wing type of forward. Um, he can put on the floor. He can hit outside shots. Offensively, there aren't too many weaknesses to uh, this six nine um, small forward for you, Drew. I know, I know. An interesting note on Derek Austin. Uh, I, I did some research. His his father played at uh, Duquesne, I believe, was a second round pick and uh, played two seasons in the NBA before going overseas. And now he coaches in the G League. So uh, got got some background with the history within the game there. Uh, but 
I watched this kid after you mentioned uh, him as a wild card to me, and uh, I spent the last you know couple of days watching film, and I also watched the last two games against Utah State, and he was phenomenal o- offensively. Offensively, I had a hard time trying to poke any any holes in his game. You know, I think uh, one one area of his game that was very underrated. I was going to see if you would mention is how well he works out of that mid to high post area on turnarounds. Yeah, that didn't really stick out to me, um, but with his size, it doesn't come as uh, much of a surprise. He looks like a true six eight, six nine, and you know, playing in the Mountain West, he's definitely going to have an advantage over. Mm-hmm any perimeter guy he comes up with or comes up against. But another thing, um, I saw that he has uh, over seven foot wingspan. Not too surprising at his size. Um, really thin build right now. So most of his stuff is coming off his size or just pure athleticism. I would say he's got solid quickness, not like uh, above average for an NBA guy, though, especially from a, a small forward or even power forward position. He doesn't have that real burst off the dribble or super explosion as a leaper. So I just call him an average guy for that level, maybe even slightly below, but really good around the rim using that size. And then this year, he's shooting almost 44% from three, which, you know, obviously outrageous. If he can do that going forward, obviously that opens up a lot of doors for him at the next level. And uh, he's an interesting guy because you look at a guy that's shooting a roughly around the same amount of attempts from three. I mean, it's down from 6.1 to 5.9, so basically the same thing. And he goes from 33.5% from beyond the arc to 42.6 as a senior. That's that's a massive jump. Yeah, it is huge. And this could be one of the areas where finally that free throw percentage as a predictor of future success comes through. He was always over 80% each year, and finally he gets going from three, but um, shooting almost 85% from the free throw line this year. So obviously really good there. Uh, the one thing I'll say about his shooting, I, there is a decent amount of knee bend on his shot from mm-hmm. three, and I think that leads to a lot of inconsistency and a slower release um, overall. So he really does need that that open you know, pick and pop or just open three, three from the corner type of situation for him to get it off at the next level. That's the only thing that kind of worries about, worries me about his shot so far. And from watching those Utah State games, they had him as a, a pick and roll ball handler a couple times. And, uh, you know, I, one thing that caught my eye in those games is I thought he made some really good reads to set up teammates. He would draw that second defender up and then kind of drop a pocket pass down to their, uh, their European big man that they have at Boise State and kind of set him up. And I thought, you know, for, for a guy his size to be able to handle the ball like that and make some of those reads, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I noticed a couple of those too. And he's definitely a scorer first, but I did like those decision-making where he does see that wide-open guy if he's driving and help comes over. So that's definitely a plus for him. Um, overall, I mean, there's just not too much to nitpick about his offensive game. You know, 18 points a game for uh, Boise State this year as a, a redshirt junior. I would Assume he'll try to come out this year. He tested the waters last year mm-hmm. uh, before coming back. So I assume he'll try to come out this year. Um, already 23, he'll be 24 in September. I mean, that's really getting up there, especially in today's, you know, not only NBA, but just thought processes of front offices. It's going to be 24 in your rookie year. That doesn't seem like there's a ton of shelf life going forward for improvement. No, no, there's there's probably no reason to come back when you're having a season like this and you're, you're that old. But from watching him, though, in those two games I watched live, those full games that I watched, I don't think there was ever a play defensively where I said, Hey, that's that's a great play. He he was just kind of out there, and it seemed like they kind of just put him on a guy defensively. 
for Utah State that he wouldn't have to do too much. He could kind of save everything for the offensive end. Yeah, I mean, that's where things get real for uh, Alston. The defensive end is not one of his fortes. Uh, just not overly competitive on that end. He has some terrible closeouts for guys getting around him with ease. Uh, his lateral quickness and overall strength don't really do him any favors either. So he's definitely an average defender in the Mountain West, which would put him pretty far below average in the NBA. That's one thing where he definitely needs to improve if he's going to get that chance in the NBA. He can't be getting blown by on every closeout. He's got to be more physical and contain guys off the dribble a lot better. Yeah, and I think the biggest the biggest thing that he could do, you know, to kind of help kind of make that or alleviate those issues would be to, to add some muscle and bulk up so guys can't just kind of get their chest into him and get by him off the bounce because I mean, he's 6'9", 190. That's that's <laughs> yeah. extremely skinny for a player of that size. Yeah. Heck, even as a, at 6'4", you'd be pretty skinny at 190. I know. I know. I think that, you know, for him, he can just get bulk up a little bit and get better defensively. This kid has a real shot to outperform where, you know, we have him slotted in the draft. Yeah. And just kind of going back to if he was a better defender or even just a better rebounder, um, his advanced stats would just pop off the charts. And, you know, a lot of NBA teams are going off draft models. That would shoot him up draft boards in a hurry. But he just really doesn't rebound much at all. Never hits the offensive glass. I'm guessing that's partly um, because of the Boise State style. They probably don't want him to uh, hit it too hard as either a small forward or, a, you know, backcourt type of player. So maybe that's playing a factor into it. But defensively, he's not putting up very good defensive rebounding numbers either so definitely a lot of concern there factor that in with his defense and then you know the negatives are starting to pile up pretty quickly uh, exactly exactly it's it's gonna cut for him his nba career comes down to rebounding and defense yeah because like you said i mean at his size he could just stand in the corner hit some shots and look pretty good um if he was you know just a capable defender i think he still has a long ways to go to get to that that small level do you see him as kind of a guy that might be a late bloomer? Um, I haven't tracked his career too much to know um, what he was like coming out of high school. I don't think I ever saw him in high school. But he did put up some decent numbers as a freshman at uh, Boise State. Really good three-point percentage, good from two. Um, seemed like he uh, took a little bit of a step back last year just when his usage went up so high. But, um, you know, the body kind of suggests he was probably a late bloomer. He was probably so thin in high school and early in his college career. I can't really speak on that too much. Right, right. I do think he's uh, one of those kids that if Boise State is fortunate enough to get in the tournament where they're looking like they have a real shot and he could go out there in the NCAA tournament, post a, a really nice showing or two, that, that could get some buzz going around his name. Yeah, you could definitely be one of those guys that blows up through the NCAA tournament. Um, I just don't know if Boise State will be able to get that chance or not. Right. Let's see. They're 18 and four this year, 14 and three in the Mountain West. So there is a chance for them. See, um, they might uh, be a three or four bid league this year. Yeah. Uh, Bart Torvik says 99% chance that they make the tournament. So we will probably see them in there. And like you said, if he has a couple of really good games back to back, could definitely draw some eyes to the NBA scouts. Um, what's your overall thought process on, on uh, Derek here? Do you think he has a good chance of making an NBA or where do you see him uh, ultimately ending up? I think he has a good chance to make an NBA roster because I mean, he has length and size that you can't, you can't teach. And when you shoot the ball like that in today's game, you can pass dribble shoot like he can. I just, I don't see any way that 
you're not at least going to get a shot in the A. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, at, at worst, he has a few years in the G League to try to make it. Right. Uh, or, yeah, he could probably go overseas and make a ton of money with the way he's shooting it right now. At his size, I mean, he would really fit a lot of those Euro leagues. And even at the highest level, I mean, you're still talking possibly millions of dollars. So, right. definitely a good chance for him there. But I do see him at least starting off in the G League for a year or two. And then if that defense does come around at all, then, then you're seeing him get called up here and there. Anything can happen after that. No, exactly. Exactly. We were talking uh, kind of before or any last words on on Derek here. Drew, I'll give you the last chance. Uh, he's, a, he's a guy that I'm, I'm glad that I was able to find and watch because uh, offensively, I really enjoyed watching his game and li- like the upside there. Yeah, definitely agree with you. Um, kind of wrapping this up, said prior to uh, the podcast, we were talking off air. Um, who is your uh, favorite player prospect out of the- In terms of just reaching the expectations for their tier, I would probably take Derek Austin. I, I feel more confident that he would reach his like expectation level for being an undrafted or wildcard guy than I do. Maybe that, you know, some of these other guys are going to reach their, their potential or ceilings. That's kind of where I am. I mean, I would probably too would be Keon Johnson for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, I would probably go, I might go Terrence Shannon just because of that defensive versatility if he can prove that he is a solid nba offensive player then i i like him going forward but like you said i mean obviously we have alston as wild card so we're thinking he's either second round or undrafted so that sets the expectations pretty low for him but i have seen some people have him in the early second round of mock drafts so if he goes to that level um i just don't know if he would be able to meet those expectations so i'll probably go with terrence shannon as my highest confidence out yeah I, I think that's definitely fair because austin seems to be like a guy that's gonna have higher expectations on draft day than he does right now where he's being looked at yeah and with keon johnson's offensive game i just think there's there's too much room still left to go for me to have much confidence in in him as a lottery no i would agree with you i i love the raw tools with keon johnson but at a certain point that offensive game's gonna come gotta come around or you're gonna fall out of the league real quick yeah definitely all right um i think this wraps it up for another episode of the uh unnamed nba draft podcast there drew thanks for uh thanks for joining me and breaking down these prospects 